Ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax. I am Podcast Poppy, and you are tuned into a brand new episode of Quarter Life Crisis, starting right now. Three, two, one. Welcome to the show, Brandon Smith. Hey, man. I thought you were going to call me BBS. Look at that. BBS? Yeah, there, you have so many fucking names. No, I don't. Well, I call you Big B, and then you have yeah. Brandon, and yeah. then what do you say? BBS? BBS is the artist name, and then B is pretty much what any of my friends I was going to say, and whenever I'm downtown with you, there's like a plethora of names that you're called by the plethora of people that approach you. It's just B. By a minute-by-minute basis. B, yeah, right. Brandon, Brando. Well, happy Mother's Day. Yeah, it is happy Mother's Day. I still got to write my card. No, I was gonna say your card's on the table. It is. What do you got? So, what do you got going on for Mother's Day? Uh, mom's barbecuing, and uh, my sister came in. I think trying to figure out why, but I think she like overnighted from like New York in like a day or something like that. Yeah, I was gonna say, I thought your, I thought most of your family was East Coast or South, right? Jo- yeah, my Georgia. Sister's, my sister's New York, um, and then the rest of my my dad's family is new, in the New York area too. Mm-hmm. I'm in Buffalo, and then my mom's there. My mom's all Atlanta, South, like all her sisters. But they're out here? And No, just uh, my brother from L.A., he mm-hmm. came up, and my sister came from New York. Nice. Oh, yeah. So it's going to be some good food. Yeah. My mom yeah. made, my mom made the ribs early. I just figured. You got, she got some southern roots in there. told me on Thursday, so I'm making the ribs now because I'm sitting my ass down on Sunday. <laughs> I was like, it's Mother's Day. You got to do what you got to do. You said the whole team's coming? Most of the team, you know, uh, most of the team that can't go see their family, so... You know, as kind of like the leader of the group and everything, and I always bring everyone to my family like real quickly and easily. Right. It's like you know, a lot of my friends ain't from here. Right. So it's like they can't get to their moms like like that. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Well, that message you sent out to the group was love the other day. Yeah, man. You know, just looking out for everybody. Always. Well, oh, yeah. Keep people out of jail. Out of jail. <laughs> car crashes. Pull them from walls. I've done it all. Woo. All right, we'll get into that. First yeah, thing, man. the most important thing that I want to talk about was congratulations on the new album, bro. Thank you, man. Echo tell Chamber me, out now, baby. Tell me about this fucking album, bro. Give uh, some backstory. Man, Echo Chamber is special to me um, because I think even I said in like the album notes, like I did it for me. Mm-hmm. That's, this album was more for it's EP album. It's EP length album length too, but uh, it's more for me. This album really was supposed to show like the different fragmented sides of me. Yeah. Um, literally every piece of my personality from the the confident, you know, raggedocious side to the insecure, inadequate side, to put the plug a song title, um, talk about some of my uh, vices, like through the crystal, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, it really was for me. Um, and I, I enjoyed it because it was me getting better at music, trying different types of music, different speeds and stuff like above you. Yeah. But like um, it really embodied like, yo, this is just the part of me that I show people in fragments. Oh like, yeah. How long were you cool. working on it? I want to say the first I had writer's block, man. I remember when my, my producers said, I remember beats. you were telling me that you've been, you've been working on this one for a while. Yeah. So this was actually was supposed to start off as a project called, um, uh, what was it? It was like, um, something about standing back, like mm-hmm. being away from everybody. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, detached is what it's supposed to be called. And it's supposed to be four tracks. I was trying to do like a smaller piece, but I had writer's block trying to get like into you know my writing groove while right. also talking about myself. Um, and I think I really wrote the first song maybe like 
like September of like 2020 something like that. Damn. So. Now you you don't have you don't have like a long history in writing music. I know you've been around music your whole life, but is this your first like official album that you've dropped? Or have you dropped more before? I've dropped uh EP before it called Thoughts of Summer. Okay. Um and then I actually have two more like sound uh SoundCloud projects before that. So my first official like project offering was 2017 actually. I listened to it last night. So Freddy's. it's been a little while. Yeah. That nice. was my first official project was 2017, 2016. Actually my first official one was 2016. And then um Another one called Summer Night Dream is 2017. Mm-hmm. Took a hiatus. And then 2020, you got uh, Thoughts of Summer. And then 2021, we got Echo Chamber. So, so did, did COVID kind of push this uh, self-reflective type of uh, drop? Um, Honestly, no. Yeah? Uh, COVID uh, pushed me into a, a lane of writing more and trying to do more myself. It really kind of refocused me into um, – building something yeah um so that's where like a lot of the ctc roots came from that we'll talk about that later but like mm-hmm. it kind of came from you know being together but really what kind of came together for this project was i did thoughts of summer mm-hmm. and i felt like i was trying to like typecast myself into like this summer artist i was trying to typecast myself into right. this summer artist and i was like because i wanted to give out like good energy tracks um but i had a hard time doing it because i always growing up when i was like trying to write music i always you know was more introspective so I said, why don't you try to do something introspective, at least get some of that stuff out yeah. so I can, you know, show a different side of me as an artist. Um, especially when people go back and look at my music, you'll be, you'll, you'll hear something like Thoughts of Summer, something like I'm working on now, but then you'll hear like Echo Chamber and be like, all right, this is some deeper stuff. Right. So you'll be like, wow, this guy actually has more spectrums to his art. Yeah. Yeah. I had a couple people from California mm. like hit me up about your music. Hey man, yeah, that was that was lit. So where'd you where'd you put it on? You put it on pretty much every platform. Right? Every platform, man. Um, we're trying to we're still trying to perfect the release process. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I did like about Echo Chamber was one of the first projects. And you know when you do something, you're so excited. It's probably like remember your first podcast. Oh right? fuck, where like you just it was did terrible. It. It, was it was terrible. <laughs> but you did it. But it you was such shit. But, but you I, just yeah, put I it excited, out. Right, yeah. you just put that shit out. Like I did it. It's like all right, where do I put it out? How my, do I get it out? My first podcast episode is called "It Still Sucks," and I came in here and I smoked a fucking blunt and I went on like an hour rant about like how much shit is how much shit sucks during COVID. I was talking about like sports yep. and all this type of just stuff. Terrible. Yeah, it's it was fucking terrible. garbage in the street. But yeah, I just went for it. I just went for it and I was like, fuck it, I'll release this. Yeah. Just gave it a shot and just put it how out. How'd that feel though? Uh it was it was a little nerve wracking. You know what I mean? Usually like uh usually when I'm any anything <laughs> that I create, I usually do it live, right? So anything that I'm uh, like a part of it's either like a presentation or if it's mm-hmm. at work or anything that I've done um, it's usually live so like creating something recording something editing, editing it, it and then putting it out somewhere where it can sit and fester and people can go and listen, and listen to it and over, and over and over and critique and rewind that was a uh, that was very interesting because I'm usually a very like when I express my personality, it's usually in person, in the moment, organic. Mm-hmm. So that was a little still is. Yeah, it hasn't changed. I mean, like, but to put in the work for a completed for completed, um, I, I wouldn't say project, but I could say project. A podcast is you know that's more recording than an actual album. Yeah. So it's a lot of hours. Yeah. So when you feel like when you put that completed project out, to me, like I first did my first one, it was liberating. Mm-hmm. So when I did it, I was like, all right. When I did um, Thoughts of Summer, like mm-hmm. the biggest, uh, the biggest dream you had was to go on streaming services. Right. Like, I don't think Thoughts of Summer is like the greatest project I ever did. I I said that when I put it out. I said I think my other stuff is better, but this is the first one going on platforms where right. you can see. It. Like my mom called me and said, look, we have friends that do music, but. Their music's not on Spotify. Right, Your right. music's on Spotify. 
she, she was like super excited. And um, for me, it was like the moment I did it, I just put it out there. I was like, all right, how do we get it out as soon as possible? And then that's where your growth in the echo chamber comes from the artistry behind the release, the release format, the marketing, to even literally uploading the album two and a half weeks, the complete album two and a half weeks before it released. So I, I sat there for a right. week. So I, you know it was on there. And I knew it was coming. Yeah, I yeah. knew exactly what date, what time it was mm-hmm. going to hit. And yeah. that was different. For yeah. Me. That was different being like, yo, like I finished this two weeks ago and I want to give it to you guys, but I can't. <laughs> like yeah, I'm just sitting there on it. So talking about it in the, in the future tense. So to me, the growth in Echo Chamber from all the way from the sound to the visuals, to me it was also to the the behind the scenes, yeah. to the the editing, the the mastering. We did all that different and better. Um, we did uh, the release, the marketing, the preparing for something to happen. We did all that different, and um, that was exciting for me. Now, as I know you, you're the leader of the clique, and that's the only thing I've ever known you as. So who mm-hmm. who's your team that you're working with when it comes to music? Because I know all about I know about CTC, like you mm-hmm. said, that we'll talk about, but when it comes to producing and editing, I know you're working mm-hmm. with like Murder Labs, but I don't know too much about who your team is when it comes to the creative process. That's true, that's true, because, I mean, in many ways, you're a part of the team, and there's like so many different There's so many fucking tentacles to this goddamn team. Thing, yeah. yeah, it's like... So, um, it's crazy because all of our music artists have their own um, way that they do stuff. So to me, it's very important as someone who's a leader to really let them be great. I think they're better artists than I am. Right. So however they do their process, who they work with, I want them to work with who they work with. Like yeah. you, no pressure to use whoever's on our team. Um, for me, Murder Labs, Fred Murder, he is like my 40 to the Drake. Like mm-hmm. he's my confidant and everything. Uh, I record everything at his house, especially stuff that I feel is deep. That's why something like Echo Chamber is very important because Freddie knows me so well. Like I can sit there and cry my heart out or, or rap about something that I really feel and not be embarrassed because I'm, you know, rapping it in front of Freddie or, or and talking to him about what's going on in my life. Like you know, I'm real good friends with a lot of people, but not all of y'all want to hear about right. my girl problems. Yeah, or, how 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 superficial you're or, willing or unsuperficial you're willing to go. Exactly. With so it's important to have like that confidence. So I go to Freddie over there at Fred Murder's Murder Labs. So over there with Freddie, and um, how could you not catch a vibe in, in his place? fucking studio? Dude, too? We was there last night and Holy literally fuck. Pull up a, pull up a picture. I know yeah. this is only audio, but. Yeah. I don't, so I want Jordan to see because man, I was like, when you were showing me pictures of that, you were like, bro, you could do this, you could do this to the podcast room. I'm like, don't play games with yeah, my heart. You can't. I, I know, but just hey, don't play games with my heart right I'm now. I'm gonna bro. talk to you about what Freddie's doing. Yeah. And we're gonna get this place laced. Oh, okay. We're gonna get this place laced. Um, but I'm gonna show you. So Freddie really created this ambiance in his in his uh studio mm-hmm. that kind of really changed like a lot of the way that we feel like doing stuff here. So yeah, like you can go in there like any time of day and it just looks like that. And that's yeah. how that's the full one right now. He makes those panels now too, so we're all getting panels. I'm yeah. getting two of them. If you want a panel in here that lights up, he'll, oh, he'll get you one. Me, yeah. So <laughs> I mean that's shit. that's when you talk about like uh the team doing stuff like that. Yeah. So um But yeah, setting the mood is important yeah, when you, when you are going when you are writing the type of music and doing the type mm-hmm. of music that you were just were just doing. Do you think that's why you kinda had the writer's block? Because um, you, you were going deep. I think it was mostly because I was going deep, but also because like I was trying to, I was trying to experiment, do something different. So right. when you listen to Echo Chamber, you'll see a lot of different flows, like whether I'm like talking like this or I'm chopping up real quick, mm-hmm. um, all that comes into play. So really, I was trying to be different 
and I was also trying to be better. I think I put a lot of pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when you do stuff like that, it's important to have a team. So for me, it's like Freddie's behind me mixing, mastering, putting everything through Lander this time. We bought a chaotic eyeball, so more crisper vocals came out, um, ambiance like that, to, to be able to do tracks like that. Um, and in a, in a space like that is really good and refreshing. It gives you a place you want to go sometimes. Right. Like sometimes you, like I tell people all the time, you always got to find something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's that that song that you like listening to every morning on the drive to work, at least you got that to look forward to to get to work. Right, right. Like, you know, going to Freddy's, sometimes you go and you get that ambiance and you get, you know, a good drink and then you're like, all right, I, I'm happy to be here. Let's, yeah, yeah. Let's make the magic happen. So that's really where that comes from. So, yeah, he's been my main, the main part of my musical team. Um, the producers, man, I got some insane producers. Freddie, who's been producing um, for me for a while now, um, getting so much better. He did the intro track, Echo Chamber. I think that's just a beautiful sample that I was able to chop up. Um, but then my main producers after that, of course, is Von Doom, mm-hmm. part of CTC, um, Personified Beats, part of CTC, and my boy Porter, one half of Tuzco, um, with my boy Jimmy Dukes. Um, and they are very big influences on my music life and career. Wouldn't be able, to, wouldn't be doing music without right. Jimmy and Evan. So, how yeah, do you great. how do you pick and choose? You know what I mean? Like when you're when you're going through how many tracks is Echo Chamber? Nine. Nine tracks. So when you're mm-hmm. going through your nine tracks, how how do you how do you kind of pick and choose who is who's gonna work on what track and you know who's gonna help produce and things like that, you know? Because uh, usually do don't do don't people usually just go one producer across the board for an album or are people usually using a lot of different people to mix um, and match? Depending on usually at a higher level you'll get a lot of people who use multiple producers. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll have one executive producer. Okay. Or so. So like for me it's like me and Fred Murder are touching every single song. Whether we're um, editing the way the ends, cutting the time off of it, taking the drop out, something like that. But then I have the original canvas from the producers. And my producers are doing big things for their collective groups. When you say original canvas, like that's where you're getting the beat? Yeah, so they're, they'll, send, they'll send me a beat. Um, also, shout out Malik on the beat. Uh, Malik Bacon, he's another producer. He didn't never regret. He always does like one, he always does one track per album for me. Nice. Um, and uh, no, it's like, so they'll send me a beat. Like, or I'll get a hold of this beat or yo, check this out, and I'll feel a certain way about it. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, you know, a beat doesn't spark, like, right then and there. So that's when you say, like, how do you choose? Sometimes it chooses you. Yeah. I've had that never regret beat for four years, three years, just sitting in there. And when I was in my writer's block, I just brought it up, was going through it, and I heard it. I was like, oh, I got it. And then it hits. Yeah, then yeah. it hits, yeah. I have to. And I wrote a verse on it, and to me it was it was super sweet, and I was like, Yo, that's when you start feeling yourself get out of that writer's yeah. box, and then that's how that, ver- that does that does it hit the producers too? Do you have like your producers that you got there that like uh, they hear the beat and they're like, I fucking need a piece of this. Like, let me let me on this and let me work on this. Sometimes, so like um, personify. I've been working with him a lot since college, and um, he'll hear some beats. He'll make some beats and be like, Oh, I got something for B. Yeah, you know, or or Von Doom, of course. Traj, like he he knows. That He's he, a fucking weirdo, bro. He yeah. does the weirdest shit he's to make beats he's so fucking talented it doesn't make any sense yeah. i was trying to have a podcast with him mm-hmm. and things would happen inside the studio mm-hmm. and he would stop the fucking podcast and be like oh i could really use that beat like something would clank or yeah. something would make a noise or like i, sh- I remember <laughs> i shook my ashtray and he was like just staring at the ashtray for the next like five minutes of conversation yeah, he's and like, finally I- grabs it he's like this would be perfect i'm like yeah for like a 
Hey, man. The You're cre- fucking out of your mind, the, bro. The mind of a creative, man, is crazy. Like you said, like trying to be even, even to be the leader of CTC, you know, Chaos Theory creatives. Like I have all these creatives around me, and they're all so different. Mm-hmm. But I, I love them all as individual people, uh, you included. Yep. Um, and it's like they're all so different. And that's the coolest part about it, though, because then when you get us all together sometimes, like magic happens. Yeah. Um, I have a song I've been sitting on since last summer. Um lately that's going to come out actually on the next mm-hmm. offering i have with stu j the vamp and, you know uh, stu j the vamp me and stu j were supposed to hit last wednesday but his work schedule be fucking crazy well right now it is because he's doing music full time so yeah he's, yeah. he's got to get paid <laughs> yeah stu uh stu j's coming on the the show very soon oh yeah yeah stu, we've yeah. been we've been talking back and forth he's one of my favorite artists like just in the world like this guy's just he's yeah, awesome I, i'm waiting for him dude Dang. he literally is a he <laughs> he wants I, to I be know, a vampire. That's I know, what he wants to do. I know you don't want to like layer somebody and compare somebody, but when I hear him, like, if you put up a weekend song, he's weekend. I'm dead fucking serious. You cannot tell the difference in any way, yeah. shape, or form. Ooh. And he's got the vampire shit going on. Yeah. White bitches love that shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> what was that fucking? What was that move? What was that move? Twilight. You know what oh, I'm saying? Stu. Oh my god, that hey, went gaga off Stu. that shit. Shout out Stu. He's um, Stu's one of my favorite. He's of got my like the contacts, light musical skin, kind of light skin. Inspirations, man. Like he's got the cheekbones, mm-hmm. the fangs. I'm like, oh, this yeah, nigga's gonna hit one he's, day. He's, he's this nigga's gonna hit one he's day. He's a vampire, man. I think one of the most important things I want to do when I work with Stu is I never want to change what he does musically because he's so talented. I just wanted to get more people's eyes on him. That's yeah. all. That's the only thing I want to do for him because yeah. he's just that talented. Proud supporter of CTC as well. Like I just, yeah. I just, uh, I don't know why it took he, me so long, but I just saw that music video. Uh, I forget what the song is called. Like him Kid- and Teflon. Yeah, it was, mm-hmm. it was a wonderfully produced, and he was rocking the pink, uh, the pink floral. The pink floral. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah man. Hey, uh, Stu is CTC, but like I said, he doesn't get overly involved because. I like him over there. I like right, him right. being a vampire. Just make music be a vampire. Yeah. I'm going to call you when I want the feature. You know Hell yeah. Um, but um, no, he's a huge inspiration for me. I even shout him out on the album, on the, on the last song, Screams. Uh, I said that line where I was like, um, uh, when I talked about when Stu J really kind of talked me out of not doing music anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a very important line to me put that in there for him. I had to make sure I called him, yo, check this out. Yeah. Shout him out by name. But Well, uh, it must be easy for you to to want to step away from music with what you do. You know what I mean? As as kind of a lead and and, and the networker and, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of putting all the pieces together. Yes and no, because, like, half of me still wants to be a star. I want to be on stage. Yeah, of course. But, like, oh, I also yeah. said... Bro, I, I, I've, I've been out with you. I know you... Yeah, yeah. yeah you got I'll, you have star personality, yeah. bro. Well, like, at the same time, like, bro, part of me wants to... I'm, I would be amazingly happy to be Rick Ross. Right, right. You know, kind of like chilling if, in the if back. I, if I got two incredible artists or three mm-hmm. or four incredible artists who are just out there being superstars, right? I'm okay going gold every time and and running the business. Yeah, I yeah. Don't have, I don't have a problem. I don't need to be you know selling out arenas. But like, at the end of the day, you know, you 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 have to take what comes with it. And I tell people all the time, I was like, it's very hard. You have to understand that for everything that you want to do, there's always something you don't. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you don't want to be in on stage performing, then you probably shouldn't make music. Right. Like, not that you're not good at music. Maybe you should be a writer. But if you don't want to be the face of something, we live in an era right now where you have to be a face. It's very difficult to be Frank Ocean now. Like, it's not 2009 anymore where people were were getting mixtapes and buying albums. Everyone's streaming now. Everyone's on social media now. Everyone, 
everyone needs to see your face, needs to see you doing something, even as mundane as cooking eggs that morning. They want to interact with their favorite artist. Yeah. So you have to be in the in the light. Yeah, so the burden of the spotlight seems mm-hmm. it's it's funny that you said oh nine too because I didn't know how far back you were gonna go because <laughs> it really is only about about ten years. Mm-hmm. Like you go back ten years and you know there were like you know Nipsey Hussle is a perfect example. You mm-hmm. know rip the nip, but. In 2010, I was listening to his his mixtapes on Dat Piff. Exactly, Dat you Piff know was what I mean. Dat Piff was the earth. shit, right? The greatest and, thing on earth was datpiff.com. Uh, he didn't have to be in the spotlight, and he never was in the spotlight. He was still cripping in the streets, and mm-hmm. it was all good. And there was a lot of artists that could still do that, but now it it really is. You have to like yeah. you really have to put yourself gotta, out there on a consistent basis. It's almost quantity over quality these days, because mm-hmm. I because it really quality is subjective, mm-hmm. and if you're putting yourself in front of the masses, right? Mm-hmm. Quantity is what's gonna catch someone's gonna see something that they're gonna like exactly and bring them back you and know and then they'll to, find your quality and that's what i'm trying to change and what i'm doing that's why i'm trying to be a little bit more prolific with music and even part of it for me is if i do music sometimes you know i feel sometimes my, my team gets stagnant sometimes mm-hmm. like we want to do this we want to do that um i got plans to, to talk to you about something else too that we're trying to do mm-hmm. but it's like man if we sometimes i feel like if i don't do it it won't be done. Yeah. So it's like, I got all these great artists. I'm like, y'all need to put y'all music out there. Mm-hmm. Like, y'all have all these songs. I hear all these songs. We need to get the music out there. They have their own process. They haven't done it. That's fine. But if Brandon's got to put out, BBS got to put out five albums or five EPs to get my team to be like, all right, this is moving, mm-hmm. then I'm, I'm going to do that to get it moving. And same thing is like with everything else. Yeah, it is tough to do because it's draining. Like, my, like, just speaking on own personal experience, like, you know, with the podcast, like, being on social media is super important. And I, fucking hate, hate that shit Shitting. i hate it man mind your motherfucking business <laughs> but then on the flip side the other edge of the sword is i'm putting stuff out because i want people to be in my business right yeah. i want people to be involved in what i'm doing mm-hmm. but like you know just you know just like posting when when it comes out when an episode comes out or yeah. just posting about an episode is not enough like not, not even at all like you gotta keep yeah they have posting. to attach your personality to your product you know what i mean they have to fall in love with you exactly. as a person and follow your storyline and yep. whether they're trying to attach in a space where you're in you're in your growth period or you're skyrocketing or you're plateauing or you're or even on your downfall mm-hmm. you know like i had i had an episode where i talked about uh it was the um Right, right when we did the um, the um, the hoodie drop, and okay. I did the QLC appreciation. I remember one. that one. And there was a yeah. tail end of it when I was kind of talking about mental health and some shit that I went through, mm-hmm. and that got the most the most feedback. So mm-hmm. like, people want you to be so interpersonal. They want they you know, want it's wild. everything from you, and that's the hardest part, especially being an artist. So like, once again, I make something like Echo Chamber so um, deep. Like, I remember Trash telling me, "It's like, damn, like." You know, people are gonna listen to this, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's intense. It's funny. Like, I I name I name drop on that album. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I think I say like six, seven girls' names. Damn. Like, do you say? Do you say the? No, I don't say her name. There's there's two names. That, there's two names that weren't said, um, but some of the others were said. Um, you know, I name drop my friends. Hell. I don't have uh, nice things to say about one of my friends on one of the songs. So, yeah. you know, not that they're not family, you know. Um, but you're trying to get introspective. You're trying to get to that point where mm-hmm. people can um, feel like that you go through real stuff, too. Right. Like, we, everyone's going through some real shit in their life. And it's like, you know, sometimes we don't even look at it as real. Sometimes we do real shit so much on the daily that you think it's just regular shit. Like, the first bar I say on um, Echo Chamber, I remember the first line was, um, uh, 
what do you know about getting calls in the middle of the night, good friend contemplating suicide? Right. Like, that's literally the first bar of the whole project. And it's like, that's a real thing. I've had my friend call me in the middle of the night talking about, dog, I'm not going to be here next mm -hmm. week. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, I'm about to jump off this parking lot da, 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 this time. I'm on the phone with him for three hours at 2 a.m. trying to get him to be like, no, this is not this situation right now. I know you're drunk. You're not happy. Da, 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 da. Got in a fight with your girl, whatever. But this ain't the way. But that's, you know, stuff that you do for your friends and your people. And that's not something that I, I sat there and just walk around and talk to my friends about when we're at right. the bar. But, like, when I'm sitting there in the booth, writing some stuff and like I'm trying to talk about real stuff like this is some real shit that I'm dealing with real shit that I talk about real shit I'm going through and you know you you bring it up now booth with Freddie is much different than releasing on a platform right so you have this stuff that is very interpersonal but is there is there you know is there a fear as an artist when you're putting things out there on by far to date the most superficial social platforms that we've ever had, mm -hmm. right? But every, it's it's weird. Like I just said, like everyone wants to fall in love with your inner person, right? They mm -hmm. want to know what's going on with you. They want to know your personal, your growth, your life. But it is by far the most superficial platform when you're yeah. going on social media and different things yeah. like that, right? Gotta it's a quick cool. glimpse and a double and yeah. a double glance. So it's all very very like fake. Like if you were to go mm -hmm. to my Instagram. I'm the fucking happiest guy in the world. My exactly. People be like, man, this podcast must be making thousands of dollars, mm. right? Um, right? But then you put something on there that's that's super deep. Uh, do you ever have that fear that it's just going to, you know, it's going to be TikToked and scrolled right through and not listen to uh, to do what you do justice to hear what you're actually saying? Um, all the time. Um, it's Cardo with music, too. Um, one of the reasons um, with Echo Chamber has so many tracks, but the tracks are shorter because I'm trying to keep your attention span. Right. Because, you know, I sequence my tr tracks a certain way. So songs are supposed to say certain things. You know, you want people to get to that last song. You want people to pay attention to what you're saying. Um, but at the end of the day, that's when I said, like, this album's for me. So, like, when you do stuff like that, you can't be upset, per se, yeah. that someone didn't, you know, get you or feel you. Or, like, someone to tell you, I don't like this song. Like, I mean, I had a couple of people tell me they didn't they didn't like the song called Above You. And Above You was a song about one of the girls I'm going to talk about. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and uh, basically, like, you know, you know, they were like, they didn't like it. I thought I was doing my best rapping. Right. Like, I, I had, like, one of my best bars on there. Yeah. Are you sure? Because I, I like, thought yeah, that shit was, was fire. fire. Exactly. <laughs> and that's where people, like, a lot of people get, you know, sensitive about how things are, are done. I, I don't like people telling me how to do things. Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with people telling me um, that this wasn't good or this was great or, right. you know, I don't like that one as much. I get it. Especially on an album like that where all the songs sound so different. I know, like. You're gonna like these two songs. Right. So this is the type of music you like. You're not gonna like these two songs. You don't like this type of music. But I'm not trying to cater to you with these two songs. Right. Catering to the people who like these two songs. Right. They might not like the two songs that you like. Also, the the beauty of the beauty of art, I think, and what makes it art is the subjective and then the bottom layer of objective. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, if everyone objectively thought that Echo Chamber was amazing, there'd be no thrill. There'd be no excitement. There'd be no curiosity of releasing it. You know. Mm -hmm. But the subjective nature. That's what makes art beautiful. You know what I mean? Like you go into an art gallery and some people like I've gone into an art gallery and my ghetto ass I'm like that looks like four fucking tubes that are right? just laid on top of each yeah, other and the person right here. next to me is like my fucking god that is the most beautiful <laughs> abstract and I'm like what the fuck here's what the, here's what the artist is about? trying to say yeah, yeah. I what? can feel it in my bones oh, that is a you know? tennis ball tube but that's the <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's a tennis ball tube. I accidentally made that when I broke something mm-hmm. I got from IKEA. Like, right. so. But that's the that's the beauty of that's the mm-hmm. beauty of the art. You and know, so you got to be the, ready for that as an artist. That's also the beauty of the come up. You know, like, you know, if you're Drake, everyone expects it to be great. All we're gonna do is try to compare it to all the other great things you did. Right. So we're gonna come in and like, oh, this is great. This is great. This is great. This is great. Da da da. da. Sells a whole bunch of albums, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're in the come up, everyone's being subjective. Mm-hmm. So it's like someone's like, oh, I don't know if this song is that good. I don't know if this song is, you know, the, the one that should be it. Oh, this song is great. But then, like, you'll get someone else who, because they're going to judge your stuff to your face a little bit different than right. they're going to judge. Like, it's almost more genuine. Else. It's, like, they yeah. don't have a comparison. Yes and no. Because like, sometimes people won't tell you your music's bad because they don't want to tell you to your face. Because uh, they don't like Because they're your friends or something like and that. And people don't take constructive criticism all the time. Right, right. Like I said, I don't like people saying, oh, man, you should do this more because this, this, and this. Like, dog, you're not writing a song. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm writing a song, like, here's how I heard it, here's how my brain cadence the words. Um, but if you like that song, that's great. If you don't like that song, that's great. I'm going to try to steer away from that. Mm-hmm. But I don't like people trying to put me in right. what lane they think I didn't I like this, you should. It's like, yeah. or instead of going to right. track three, just go to track five, bitch, and don't tell right. me what to do. Well, yeah, that's You'll like five. That's basically what it is. Like, for me, I used to tell people all the time, man, it's like the hardest... Uh, how are you going to tell me how to do something when I'm doing something that you don't do? Right. Like, I, I can't tell you what's, what makes a good podcast or how to make a podcast. I don't I don't podcast. Yeah. You know, I'm going to try to podcast more. Yeah. But I don't I don't podcast. You so got I, the platform now. Yeah, I got the platform. So, but I can't sit there and tell people, oh, we should do, you should do this, 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 and this. Right. This is what makes it great. Same thing is like, you know, I write a song. Like, people don't know the, the work that goes behind the mastering, cutting, how many times I laid this verse the way I say the verse, how many punches I did mm-hmm. to make it sound clear, how many different you know layers of my vocals I had to sing to get this hook to sound right, you know, and then after that you put the effects on everything, make everything sound good, and that's just to get one song completed. Then I did it nine times, right? So and that's just for one project that takes you twenty minutes to listen to, mm-hmm. you know, it took me you know a hundred some odd hours to put together. So you look at it in a way it was like, hey. I, I love your feedback. Tell me what you like and don't like. I love that. Yeah. Don't tell me how to do something. Yeah. If you're not doing it. I'm gonna need you to prove to me that you can do this before you can tell me what I need to be doing. So you that's a unique that's a unique perspective, right? Yeah. Especially because I feel like a like you I think you're right when you said that feedback isn't as genuine because we're kind of in a space right now where disagreements will burn bridges very, very quickly. I think quick, I think quicker than previous times. People are weak these days. Yeah. It's it's strange. Social media made us weak. Yeah. I I agree that. I agree with that. And I admit that I'm weak sometimes like Mm -hmm. dog, like bro, I sometimes I'd be mad like this pretty girl don't like me. Why? Yeah. You know, but like, you know, back in the day, our parents didn't grow up with stuff shoved in their face all the time. So they grew up like, look, they, what they saw from their eyes as they walked is all they saw. But I think what you're doing, I think what you're doing branches back to, to old music, right? So if you mm-hmm. were to go back like 15 years, right? So I'll go, I'll go to like, oh, actually not that far. Let's go 08, 09, right? I think that's when No Ceilings came out, right? Uh, By uh, Little Wayne. first one? Yeah, like on 09. I think Something like that, right? Yeah. So Little Wayne takes all these beats that have already been done and mm-hmm. already been murdered by wh- whoever, whoever originally did them. had absolutely them, yeah. killed they were already great songs and he came in and he took a different sound and he absolutely killed it and mm-hmm. it was embraced by people so much and he didn't you could tell he you know 
obviously he didn't give a shit about the the different type of feedback, you know? (laughs) Right. But that was just a big one. That's, I think that's a big one that people could Mm -hmm. latch onto, but now it seems like, and there's nothing wrong with the music today, but there is definitely much more of a consistency to music. And I think previous, it was a race to who can sound so violently different than others. And that was a dope chase. And I think Mm -hmm. that's because, um, you know, people could take that different type of feedback. I can actually tell you why, why though. Because you're, you're going on to like the greatest shit ever. Please, yeah. It's the mixtape era of hip-hop. Wasn't it? Yeah, the it was. Greatest, the greatest era of hip-hop. Listen to me, fans out there. Quarter Life Crisis Podcast. The greatest era of hip-hop is the mixtape era. Agreed. Dat that Piff. was when people were on Dat Piff. That was when blogs were big. Mm-hmm. And you had a blog telling you to listen to this mixtape. Mm-hmm. And back then, we had to buy our albums. And I don't know about y'all, but Brandon ain't have $15 to buy an album because right. I had to fill my gas. So tank. they were testing it out. And you could go download on yeah. DatPiff. So and that was that the only piff, place. You could go get, you could literally go get a mixtape mm-hmm. from an artist coming up. Right. And they're going to take the hottest song on the radio and remix it right. and put it on that mixtape. And they're going to take other hot songs on the radio and take it and put it on those mixtapes. And you're going to go listen to these mixtapes like, man, this shit's better than albums. Mm-hmm. And then if you know the business, the music business where things need to get cleared, uh, producers got to get paid, da 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 In the mixtape era when people were dropping music for free, they weren't clearing shit. They were making the dopest beats ever with yep. the craziest samples. People were rapping their asses off, making incredible creative music, releasing it for free for people to go get just to build their fan bases and go on tours Cause that's where the money was. Yeah. Like you're not gonna make no money by selling an album. You weren't making money selling an album back then. You're not making money streaming an album right now. Yeah, I promise you, I ain't making that much money streaming any any of this music. So they were just taking these popular mixtapes and going on tour. Yeah, and that's how they were making their money. And that was when the mixtape era mixtape era was the best year best years of hip hop. Cause people had to be violently creative, different. And there was a there was an obsession for inconsistency of stimuli. Yeah, like the consistency of stimuli, like. Back in the day in high school or junior high, you'd listen to something like, this sounds exactly fucking like, mm-hmm. I don't want to listen to this, right. you know, but now, it, I mean, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that, I'm not trying to say that the music game is tainted in any way, shape or form, but that is something that I miss because there was much more, sometimes you got to risk it to get the biscuit. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, going in the studio and just fucking giving it a shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's rare these days. The mixtape era was the era when things were pushed to a level of consistency mm-hmm. you see because now but before then people would buy an album because of the one radio single they heard and it was correct one hot song and you're really spending 14 dollars. what was that fucking 50s or no not i'm sorry chingy jackpot yeah, chingy holiday inn came out and everyone, and everyone was like yeah. holy fuck and holiday and bought that album holiday like crazy. Right, and right there right there yeah but and that, then there were other bangers yeah. on there but yeah but you, those are the two but you were banking on there being other bangers on there because you had two bangers on the radio from them. So, I mean, there was 14 tracks on the album. If there's only two more bangers, so you got four bangers out of 14 tracks, yeah. and you had to spend $14 for these four songs, people were like, yo, like, why would I, you know, back, like I said, back before the mixtape era and all that shit like that, um, thank you, um, people were, people literally, you know, one hot song was going to sell your album to millions. Right. But then when the mixtape era came, Basically, people was like, yo, why would I buy your album for $12 if there's one hot song and I can go on iTunes right now and just buy 
that one song. <laughs> well, so, and then and then I could get a whole mixtape for right. free. That's consistent good music. So you know you know the industry better than I. So Ooh. tell me what you think about this statement. I think that there was a bigger obsession with artists about influence back in the mixtape era, right? There was there was more of a you know, latch on to me because what I'm doing lyrically, right? Latch on to me, kind of what we were talking about before. You know, love me for who I am, right? Mm -hmm. And all this different stuff. And the, I'm being a lyrical monster and the things that I'm saying, right? Because mm -hmm. I already know you love the beat. Yeah. I right? take, You've I'm heard the beat, beat that you love, yeah. So so what's the content? And there was an obsession for content. So they would release it. And when they latch on, mm -hmm. then that's when, you know, they could bring in some more consistency. So the mixtape era bred a lot of talent. Right. Um, the, the era that came after the mixtape era bred a lot of good and different music. That era is the SoundCloud era. So in mixtape era, like you said, we're already beat jacking. I, I already got J. Cole's Power Trip beat. You know how hard it I'm is? freestyling it's, over it, trying to show you that I'm just yeah. as good as J. Cole, if not better. It's got to be tough to not beat jack. Am I wrong on that? Um, Cause fuck man Like I'll listen to a song I'm like this is killer And then I'll have Pandora on in my house mm -hmm. Earth Wind and Fire Radio on mm -hmm. And something will come on From the Commodores yeah. Like from 40 years ago And I'm like What the fuck I thought DMX did this no, song like, You find out all of it was sampled <laughs> Bro the, 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 the music The music industry Hip hop is very uh, Incestuous in a way Where like they We're just Like literally yeah. Taking everyone's music um, the the one time it actually gave me chills one time while I was listening, um, we were talk about samples switching, um, uh, Lil Wayne's Pussy Money Weed. Mm. Love that song. Love that song. Absolutely love that song. And he does that plush, pussy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pussy. Pussy. Money <laughs> weed. So, uh, it's cool. So me and my brother always went back to old school rap all the time. Mm. My brother bought this album, AT Aliens, Outcast. You find out that um, Jazzy Bell off that album is the original beat sample for Pussy Money Weed. Really? Yeah. Jazzy By Bell. Outkast. Yeah. That and makes Jazzy sense. Jazzy Bell has it faster. And then, of course, it's slowed down for Pussy Money Weed. Right. And the coolest thing from an artist standpoint that gives me chills, I think I got chills right now, um, Lil Wayne paid homage to the fact that he took that because he starts his verse off like, um, oh, yes, I love it like Egyptian. Uh -huh. On the description, her body's yeah, sickening, yeah. right? Um Andre 3000 starts the song off in 1996 like, uh, um, oh, yes, I love it like Egyptian. One of the description, my royal highness. Holy shit, that so, just came together for me right yeah, now. So literally he, he was paying homage to Andre 3 and Outkast by snatching their intro piece yeah. to the right and using their sample. Well, that's love. And, and a lot of people won't catch that because Pussy Money Weed came out in 2005 or six or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, Jazzy Bill came out in 1996. People right. listened to it weren't even conscious humans yeah yeah you know we're I mean? shitting our I, pants i was four i'm shitting my pants you know, you know i was i was i was five or four like you know my sister's like yeah you weren't conscious when i was playing elevators in the back i mean yeah, it was yeah. one of your favorite songs but you know you grow up and that's what we miss in hip-hop today people don't really have that call back to back then but that's actually not an issue mm -hmm. the real thing is, is like when you're watching these kids come up now they're 18 19 20 21 you know they weren't alive. Like, I was alive when Tupac and Biggie was alive. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They weren't even alive. The kids born in 1998, 99. 2000. 2000. You know what I mean? So, how's he supposed to know how important it was to hear Juicy on the radio? How's he supposed to know but I also who think, Eminem really was? Who I also think it's DMX because. was, rest in peace. You know what I mean? I also think it's because this, this, and like I said, I have, I love this generation's music. Mm 
Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I enjoy a lot of the music that gets put out right now. But I can, I can, I feel like I can confidently say the lifespan, the life cycle of the music today will be nothing of the sort. Because a lot of the music that we grip on, like you said, we were not conscious human beings, yeah. and it took. 10 to 15 years of our parents playing even it over and, over and over and over and over again. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I'll look, I'll, I'll put on Picture Me Rolling by mm-hmm. Tupac. And yeah. it's like, you know, I was literally still wetting the bed when that was written, you know? Exactly. A lot of the music that has been written in the last, what I believe, I would say five, I would say only five, like five years isn't going to hold true in 20 to 25 years. But there are a lot, like Outcast. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, yeah. how is Outcast? Sorry, and, and, it's, yeah. It's going to be a hit forever. It'll never stop, you know? Yeah. And even even songs that aren't as um, impactful, like like Freak a Leak by yeah. Pity Pablo. It's you always, know, there was like, it's you know. Be a hit forever. I even see you know? sometimes when North Carolina by Pity Pablo yeah. comes on and people take their white tees off and just start fucking twisting that shit. Come on, man. And there's still, but it's younger Yo. kids too. There's a lot of younger kids. Bro, we're at an age who right still now listen where to songs that, that we grew up on are becoming those songs that are sampled. Yeah, it's Come a trip. On. It's Come a trip. N- Nelly's hot in here is turned into Buss It automatic. Yeah, and yeah. Every girl in the club is busting. I know. That means we can't complain. Even, even but Drake, <laughs> I'm not complaining. Even like I a, was around when hot in here was hot. Yeah. <laughs> even Drake, a lot of the stuff that Drake takes, I'm like, man, I used to listen to that shit when I was in junior high. Yeah, you know, and he'll simple. and he'll turn it into a mat, you, you know. Gotta keep going. And the thing is like we the issue isn't the quality of music. Mm-hmm. So like we went the mixtape era bred us a whole bunch of talent. Like mm-hmm. the mixtape era gave us the the Mac Millers, the Wiz Khalifas, the MGKs back when he was rapping, the, the Logics, um, you know, p- artists like uh, Young Jeezy and stuff really created, like, I'm a, you know, the Lloyd Banks of the world. Those, yeah. those were the mixtape artists. Those dudes are out rap anyone you put in front of them, basically. Right. But then the SoundCloud era ushered in an era of speed and sound. Right. So you got the Lil Uzi Verts, you got the Young Thugs, you got the, you know, the Russes of the world where, they make great music, like they may not be the lyrical miracle geniuses, but they bring in the consistency. But they bring in consistent good music. Right. They know what sounds great sonically. Also, opportunity as well. Like, yeah. like a, a a a perfect example of the amazing opportunity that SoundCloud brought to the table is Post Malone. Exactly, Post Malone. Another like, one. if anyone has not, if anyone doesn't know the story of Post Malone and how he came to fame. Like I'm telling you right now, that is Posty. something to go and look into because that is fucking crazy. Well, like think about what Posty is. Like Posty is not this insane correct talent. I correct. would say his music is so amazing though. Right. Like he he like Postman's not gonna out rap nobody. He's not not gonna out sing nobody. Yeah. But his music is great. It's, I, like, it's like the same thing with Russ. He ain't gonna out rap. He might out rap. Russ is pretty nasty. Actually, he might out, he might out Russ rap is, you low key. But also Russ Russ, Russ does it from A to Z. That's what yeah. I love about Russ. I even but, think a, a lot of people shout him out for that because he, he yeah. really does solo dolo and he sells out arenas. Yeah. Solo. Solo. That's something that not Incredible. a lot of people know Incredible about. Like it's usually like young job. It's like all of Cash Money mm-hmm. or all of whatever. Mm-hmm. They'll bring like four or five different headliners, you know, and then and then they'll yeah. sell Drake and Travis Scott and this mm-hmm. person and that person, and they'll sell out an arena. Russ will just go to an arena oh, yeah. and so, sell that bitch out yeah. by himself. I mean, Drake and Travis Scott could do it on their own. But True, but you know what Ru- I mean. Russ does it. Like my my thing is though, like as music progressed, um, the speed. Yeah. It's like you say it won't be relevant in 25 years. Right now, we're moving five times faster than we did 25 years ago. Trippy. So it's like you used to buy an album, and it would that's the album you bought. You play that album yeah. over and over and over and over and over and over until the CD fucking pops in your goddamn tank deck. Yeah. But like, you know, but now, shit, you could 
you hit download on off your streaming platform. Mm-hmm. You can listen to the album seven times. Go back to another album you were listening to. Go find another mm-hmm. album here. There's just too. There's so much access that it's just speed right now. I miss the fear of when will something this amazing come out again. Mm-hmm. I miss that. I really do miss that. And I think yeah. that's why people were going out buying like, albums. Man. The Eminem show. Yeah. Like people were like, uh, I think I think stands on that one. No, and that. Uh, that's the Marshall Mathers LP. Um, but when both 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 of them. albums when they came out, people were like, this "Oh my crazy. god, I didn't buy this. I don't think this is ever going to happen again." Yeah. I mean, and it hasn't. Obviously, you know, the Eminem show is still, I believe, the the top uh, most bought album in the in uh, history. I think Marshall Mathers LP is the most purchased solo rap album. Uh-huh. The most purchased rap album in history is technically um, Speaker Box Love Below Outcast. Oh really? Because it's a double album so, and they sold. Uh, they titanic that bitch. Yeah. They built two VHSs. Yeah, exactly. And then they it's had fucking cheaters. A double album sold six million copies. Counts as twelve million. Copy that. Copy that. But you know there there was that there was that there's that fear. Yeah. I but, mean, I, like I said, I, I got nothing wrong with the industry now than it was before. It switched. It used to be you were so appreciative of getting good music. Now yeah. Drake drops his album within a month and a half. I'm like, all right, when's the next one? Yeah. Come on, bro. Bro, you think I just got this? This shit just growing trees. Like and it doesn't, and I, we live, but we live in the world, and that, t- and and that's where it's up to people like us to adapt to it. You know, podcasting wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was blogs back then. Now it's podcasts. Right. Um, you know, building an audience, and that's the number. No matter what happens in time, music changes as any other. The most important thing in the world is an audience. Right. You know, and so that's why even the, the double back the CTC, like what we're trying to do as a team, really is. I'm trying to gain an audience myself. All the other artists, are like you know, A Major, Gage, um, Sujay the Vamp, Von Doom, Fred Murda, um, everyone's trying to get their own audience. Yeah, you know, we want we want to get a big audience for Quarter Life Crisis podcast, and then we want to literally synergize it all. Mm-hmm. So now I want my fans to come watch your podcast. Right. I want your your fans who listen to your podcast watch your podcast come listen to my music. And do the and it does the same for every other artist and all their fans come here. And once you synergize everything, we all grow faster. And if we're all growing faster and together, then at that point we're helping each other grow. We're just multiplying. Yeah. And we're not doing anything to multiply. Someone could watch me and you do a podcast and they might have already heard my music, which is why they're listening to the podcast mm-hmm. that I'm on. But we just talked about Stu Jay. Like, let me check this guy out. Mm-hmm. And now they want to go check out Stu's stuff. And then now they ha- Stu has gained another fan. Right. So that's where it is for me, where I'm trying to adapt to what happens in this world. You can't, I'm trying to grow as fast as the world is moving. Right. You see what I'm saying? And you now, only do that with multiple different hubs. Now, your foundation of success and almost your business plan that I've learned over the last four or five months that I've been spending time with you mm-hmm. is building a mass, uh, building a network, right? Mm-hmm. Not only just a massive network, but a strengthened network that is consistent, right? So the pathways from one end to the cobweb mm-hmm. to the other are just as strong in the center on the outside. Mm-hmm. Now, is this something that you've been, like, is this, this does not come natural to a lot of people. Like, mm-hmm. when I go downtown with you, the, f- the amount of fucking people that you know is almost terrifying. I almost don't <laughs> want to spend time with you. So I'm like, fuck, I'm on the map now. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? If I was ever doing some scandalous shit, I'm like, Brandon's probably going to hear about it. Yeah. And then the, the history that you have with people, and it's a network that you've kept over years at a time. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we'll go into CTC because this is kind of where I'm leading up to it. But is, has network been a strength or been something that you've had to work on or a natural ability? or I'd, I'd like to say that it's natural, personally. 
Um, I say I get it from my dad. Mm-hmm. He's just this natural guy. I remember uh, a story my sister told me was once like the first cruise we ever went on. And I was like 16 or something. And my sister like pulled me aside. She's like, look at your dad. She's like, that's a special man right there. She's like, I was like, all right, what's going on? He's like, you see, he has his whole boat right now over here buying them drinks, chapping them up. All these people creating this friend group on, on a random boat. And they're all calling them very white. Right. And, you know, having the time of their lives, like the way he brings people together. And then I remember one time, like watching my little brother play basketball, one of his little things. And so I'm sitting there and just supporting him, me and my mom. And I make a random friend because one of my friends wasn't there. And uh, I made a random friend. I was cool with him. Come back next time. Random friend's there. But my other friend is back. So I'm over here kicking with my other friend. And I go out of my way to get this other guy that became friends. They're like, yo, come kick it with us. Yeah, yeah. And I come to, I remember the game ended. I'm going home. My mom said, that was a cool thing you did. And I was like, what are you talking about? She was like, you really, you know, made sure to, to bring your friend, your other friend, over to you and your other friend. Like, you combined that, you know, people together. And now they're friends. So now, like, if you're not here, they can talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a while, it's a, it's a talent you learn. Um, you learn that, that it has value. So when did you start to understand that it was a talent? Um, I want to say probably when I started, uh, like, getting a little older. You know, like when it came to, like, going out and everything. Like, things started happening easy. Um, like, I just had, like, a plan. Like, oh, we can hit so-and-so and go here, 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 here. And then, and I wasn't thinking about it at the time. Like, that. I just made all these connections to people that were okay to to grab me and say I was good. Um, and you learn that, you know, off, off energy, you're good to people when you return the energy. So, I mean, that's literally all, all that happens. And it's like, to make a, in that one moment, if I make an impact on you, then I might not see you again for six, seven months. But you're going to remember me. I might not remember your name, might not remember your face or nothing, but you're going to return the energy back to me. Prime example? Us. Correct. And I'm not Those years. Yeah. And I and I literally, I won't look at you and be like, yo, who the hell are you? I'm like, oh, shit. I might not know who you are, but I'm going to return that love back because clearly there's a reason you love me. Yeah. And we're going to stay there. And then, you know, we traded credentials, looked into each other, found out, like, yo. And then, you know, we got this far. And I think from the from the networking standpoint, man, the only thing I can tell people is, like, just keep out giving out good energy to people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's okay to be upset, of course. But it's like, you know, when someone says, hey, whatever, like, you say, hey, back. You know, when someone gives a hug, then you give a big hug. Like, you know, I always try to return my energy back more than someone's giving it to me. So then now they're like, oh, I can give it back. This guy really fucks with me. And, like, it just grows from there. And once they recognize you, recognize your face, and then it just blossoms from there. And then. Then after that, it takes the the wherewithal to realize like, hey, you have friends and positions who can help you with what you're trying to do, right? You know, and, and try to and try to work from there. I think you're, I, to be honest with you, I think you're kind of downplaying what uh, what it is that you do. So I'll go on on two sides of the coin. One, because um, I can't remember when we met at Imperial. <laughs> you know, it had to be 2016 or 17 yeah. or, or probably 15 or 16. It had to be early on. Had to be or seven uh, or early seventeen. Uh, Sixteen sounds right. Right. So I don't remember us ever talking. I really don't remember what our conversations were. I don't remember. I really don't remember any of it, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And I know that you came into Imperial all the time, Mm -hmm. but then years later, I come back in 2019 and I see you at Hukava, Mm -hmm. and there's just a very strange, like, it may sound weird, but there's just this weird feeling, like, in your heart and your mind. I was like, man, I remember when I was talking to this guy. Mm -hmm. um, It was a beautiful moment. 
You know what I mean? Whatever it was, it was a great time. I don't know what we were laughing about. I don't know what we were talking about, but it was something that was that was pure and very genuine. That's why I just came up and approached you randomly at Hukava. I'm like, hey, I don't fucking remember your name, and I'm not exactly sure who you are, but I do know that I know you. Yeah. Right? And then we started talking, and then I hit you up on Instagram, and, yeah. and then we, we went from there. But I think what I've noticed from spending time with you is something that's very, very different. It's very easy to say hi to people. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to give off energy. But a next level that you do is you are you are it is very, very clear to not only the party that you're talking to, but the people around you Mm -hmm. that you are mostly concerned Mm -hmm. with what they're saying at that moment in time. Mm -hmm. Right. So when someone tells you something, instead of building whatever you're going to say back to them while they're talking, Mm -hmm. which is very easy to see physically, Mm -hmm. the first thing out of your mouth instead of like, oh, well, yeah, one time I or, you know, oh, I know that I, I can relate. You're like, well, how was that for you? Or, or what else happened? Or how did mm-hmm. that even go down? And you'll dive past these superficial layers of conversation. Mm-hmm. And then you put pressure on people to like, damn, am I about to have a conversation with this guy? <laughs> you know what I mean? you like, I think I it's know. not really in passing and you make it clear when it is in passing, mm-hmm. but that's empowering to people, right? Like yeah. when someone is, when someone's ready to go past two questions, right? Yeah. That two Q limit is huge. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you're invested yeah. because Someone that you're meeting in a pass by won't go past two questions. So if I just go past two questions with you, which you do over and over and like I'll be I'm walking in fusion. Mm -hmm. I can walk 10 fucking feet and turn around and guarantee that you're not behind me anymore. Oh, yeah. Because you're in the middle of a conversation with somebody. And then you know more about someone Mm -hmm. than 95 percent of the people in that building. And then Mm -hmm. when you go back to that building Mm -hmm. seven, eight months later, Mm -hmm. just because you did that, it's hey, how's this going? Or, you know, how's this going? Last time we talked. You yeah. know, it's a minute, uh, it's a, it's a, uh, you did it to me at Hukava. Yeah. I was like, Hey man, I don't really fucking know who, who you are, but do we know? You're like, Oh man, Imperial. Yeah. You were a bouncer at Imperial. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, that's, that's right. That's where I met yeah, you from. I kept, like, yeah, I you kept worked cutting the, the line. Yeah. You worked the front door. You used to let me in the line all the time. I used to cut the line and I was like, fuck man. Thank you for telling me why I approached you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. That's what that's that's dope as fuck, bro. I, that's 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 something that this generation can't do, in my personal opinion. I and generations previous. I think as a human race, to be honest with you. One thing people don't do is um show that other people are valued. Mm-hmm. You know. Um that's a talent that I I learned that when I was a assistant manager at Walmart and I had to manage so many people when I was so young. I was one of the youngest assistant managers in like Walmart history. And it's like, you know, I have this person over here is an intelligent kid trying to work his way through school. And I have this person over here who might be mentally handicapped, but he has function. You know, you learn how to work with these two people at the same level. You know, how to hold him accountable, how to hold him accountable. And the thing is, is what you do when you're a manager of people like that, in order to get people to follow you, you have to um, create a reason why they're invested in you. For me, what it is, is like I take value in, I take value in what you have to say in what you're doing and I also try to create a connection like if you if you know anything about me like I've delved into so many weird different holy things here 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 and here it may not be a lot but it's enough to talk about it so I always feel like there's always something I can find about a person that I can relate to right so if I want to talk to somebody and you know maybe you know I, I always walk in looking like the the cool guy with the gold chains and everything like that but you know, if I want to chat it up with this guy with the anime shirt on, I might, yeah, I know you, you Hakusho. Right. Like, chat it up, and all of a sudden, I could talk anime with this guy for, for an hour. And well, like, how are you able to relate to this guy when you don't even look like you guys walk the same path? You know right. what I mean? 
And then to be able to do that with so many different people, like if someone wanted to talk baseball, I can talk baseball. Someone wanted to talk football, I can talk football. Someone wanted to talk anime, I can talk anime. You want to talk music, I can talk music. You want to talk writing, I can talk writing. You want to mm-hmm. talk, you know, TV shows, you know, acting, all sorts of just different stuff. I first myself in that stuff, but I also try to find that connection with that person, and it disarms you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know, it's something as simple as you know, like, hey, I like that bracelet. Where'd you get it from? And you'll be like, oh, yeah, I found a shop. Da, da, da. I was like, yeah, man, I found a shop, too. Like, here's where I got mine. You're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And all of a sudden, you're off onto, like, a small conversation about where you get some of your cool stuff. Right. And then now But that's usually where it stops. Name and you recognize. Mm-hmm. Hey, I like your bracelet. Like, where'd you get it? Oh, I got it from here. Oh, I got mine at here. And then it's over. But then right. you'll go. Um, yeah, I'll be like, Yo. Like, so you like jewelry? Yeah. And then here we go. Yeah. Exactly. You find you find a way to, to keep it going. I think you've tapped into a special realm um, of business in this world because there's a lot of hype on self-made. And I mm-hmm. think that was a big hype, you know, for like for a good like, you know, a, a while. But I feel like the last 10 years has changed drastically. I personally, it's just my personal opinion. I think that self-made shit is fucking garbage and it doesn't work anymore, to be honest with you. No and one's I, no one's self-made. Right. Exactly. Everyone has a team. There's always someone who's not getting enough credit for doing what they do for you and you're succeeding. Right. And I always view it this way, that if you're the one succeeding and you know people are helping you, it's your job to put the spotlight on those people. So when you hear me talk about someone like Fred Murda who does not want the spotlight, doesn't want any of that stuff at all, Mm -hmm. but none of this happens without Freddie. So I have to talk talk about him. I have to give him credit have to say that he's the best, have to say that he does this. Situation like that is to understand, like, the, people don't have enough view of self. People talk about me like I'm the most personal person in the room. And I tell people all the time, you know who the most personal person in CTC is? It's fucking Ricky. Yeah. And Ricky can sit here and talk to, to anyone. He literally has a podcast where he just talks to people. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, me, can I do it? Yes. Do I get annoyed with people? Sometimes. Am I okay to do it? Absolutely. But, like, I... My, I I see everyone for their talent, yeah. you know, for for what they can do, and I never walk around being like, I can do this better than him. Yeah, but see, but you, you know what, I mean? what you got to understand is you're looked at it to having all these strengths because you realize that a small investment in a human being mm-hmm. can build a bridge. Mm-hmm. But what also you're investing is something that people don't understand is you're investing time. Now, time and time is given to you one second at a time, mm-hmm. at no cost, whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. until it's gripped from your heart completely and it'll be never given to you again. Yeah. So it's a guarantee, right? As long as you're still breathing, every mm-hmm. second, post-second, you're getting another one and another one. So you mm-hmm. invest a small amount of time into each person that you're spending time with, yeah. and it'll build a bridge. So you might not be the most talented at it, right? But you have this massive, you have bridges everywhere mm-hmm. to the people who are the most talented at it. And then yeah. what you do is you connect the people who are most talented and compatible with the other talented, right? Mm-hmm. So then it looks like Brandon's controlling the show. You're the one. You're the one doing it, which you are, you know. Yeah. But you look like the most personal in the room. But you're like, well, Ricky's a podcaster, mm-hmm. and you know, or like, you know, this person's a jeweler, and this and this person's a rapper. Yeah, I'm gonna put these two together, and all of a sudden these two hit it off. Well, yeah. Brandon looks like you're very personable because you put these people together. together. Now there's this three way conversation Thanks that's you. just killing it. Mm-hmm. But really, you just identified what people's strengths were, and then you invested in it. When you build enough bridges to enough people, you can help fix their puzzle piece. Right. You know, so at the end of the day, what we're doing is trying to find a way for all of us to be able to, quote unquote, be self-made by having access to the tools that everyone else, you know, that that my team and network provides. 
So when you do something like that, that's when you feel like everyone needs help, man. And it's, it's fucking impossible to it's impossible to just do it alone mm-hmm. and then say that you did it. I right. mean, outside of Russ, but even it, Russ didn't do it alone. Well, it was but twenty. Yeah. It was twenty years ago when it was who was the best, but now mm-hmm. it's a who you know. It's all, it's all, but even then, it's always been who you know. It's just we're on social media now, so now everyone knows who you know. So it was like back in the day, when 20 years ago, you could be like, oh, you know, who was the best? Like, yeah, but what they don't know is who you know. If you right. don't talk, talk about them, if you don't put them out there, then they don't know who you know who makes you great. So, you know, we live in a world now where everyone knows the bare bones about everyone to a degree. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if you post a picture with a girl and y'all hugging and kissing, we can assume that y'all dating. Mm-hmm. You know, strong assumption. Might be 80% correct. But at least you can assume that. We live in a world now where people can see what you're doing and assume. But the thing is, people assume too much. Right. Bro, I can go I can go out right now and, and empty out, you know, one of my stock accounts and put all the hundreds on the table. Oh, Brandon got money. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, money I never touch. Like, you know, like. You Those put, are my favorite, bro. My old dope boy homies. Yeah. Like, my old homies who I used to flip weight with. Mm-hmm. They'll, like, post a picture. Be fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 cash. And I'm like, I know that you probably only flip, like, six pounds mm-hmm. and you're probably gonna get about seven hundred dollars of that and i'm like you're just taking a picture on the way right, to the actual thing. dope boy exactly people but, a lot of people don't have what they show and that, right. we live in a world right now people don't have what they show but 20 years ago what you're talking about is people don't show what they have yeah. so now it's, it's the world's been switched because everyone's trying to show everyone that they belong everyone's trying to show like you said me and you i don't do social media shit like that if you go look at my social media right now it's pictures of me Recently, it's pictures of me for the marketing employee for Echo Chamber. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's pictures of me and my friends. Love those pictures, Me by the and way. my mom. And, like, a picture of my car from four years ago. And, like, you know, you don't get a whole bunch of, like, oh, flashy here and flashy there and this, that, and the other. And then I post this stuff to show that, hey, I'm with my family. Right. I'm with my friends. Well, I'm having a good time. Like, I don't post that often. Like, my story is my food. I post right. feed the physique all the time. Y'all know that. Like, it's just, that's all I post is food and me at the gym. Your time is invested in a different place, like what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. So you've built this, you've built this conglomerate, mm-hmm. if you would. I'm, I'm not sure what that fucking word means, but it feels <laughs> right. It That's feels one, right. One okay? of my favorite words. I was trying to get it somehow involved in CTC, but we'll talk about. Yeah, it. I'm not, I'm not sure, but you've built this conglomerate called CTC, right? Mm-hmm. Chaos Area Creatives. Now you have this massive network of people of all these different talents. Mm-hmm. Now, to lead into the backstory of CTC, mm-hmm. we're talking about networking and things like that. Did you build this CTC once you realized and weaponized your skill in networking, or did this come to fruition and then you decided to capitalize on, on CTC? Um, CTC came together really from a standpoint of, you know, when Traj was trying to get me out of, like, rap retirement, mm-hmm. and it's really... And for people who don't know, because I haven't released his episode yet, yeah. like... Draj is um, Von Doom. Von yes, Doom, he's yeah. Pretty much uh damn near the VP of this thing. Like he, you know, he reps it till he dies. Um, and he was the one who was like basically like, yo, you gotta go back to rapping. And of course I had Freddie in the Tuck, who was my engineer, who was always down. And then uh Twan, A major. Um, he just dropped a new single, Drunk and Lifted. Go check that out. It's fantastic, by the um, way. It's great. Song. It really is. That um, should've that should have It's a great song. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm, if you're trying to tear your lady up, <laughs> I'm gonna get drunk. Tap and, in I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get drunk and lifted right now. I was about to say that's that's a. Hey, let me tell but, you, uh, I'm not sure what adjective I'm trying to use, but a major, a major. <laughs> but um, no, so like he's he's been a confidant, so I've been working with music on, for a long time. And basically, 
it really kind of started off kind of really with us four because I was um, trying to, all right, how am I going to do this music? Um, I was going to Freddy's back when he had his old apartment and trying to record. So this CTC kind of started with Freddy, but it was about you mostly. It was really, CTC really ended up starting with like me trying to do music again. Right. And you want to do music at a certain level. People don't understand that like music is a very expensive endeavor. It's like you can be terrible. Like to be 100% honest with you, it should cost hundreds if not thousands of dollars to do and make a project that I made in Echo Chamber. But because I have friends in great places, you know, I didn't have to pay for my beats. I don't have to pay for studio time. I don't have to pay to get mixing, mastering. I don't have to pay. Like all those things are things that normally comes into what happens to make music. I got nine different beats on here from five different producers. Like all of, if those producers alone charge me a hundred dollars right. a beat, which ain't expensive for a beat, that's nine hundred dollars. I've had know? a lot of artists on the show, and they have spoken on that. That. Yeah. That it, it's 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 not cheap. It's not cheap. And then I, the 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 artwork I had done for mine, I had a professional photographer. Shout out Felicia. Like you looked fantastic, by the way. Thank you, man. I uh, saw those model pictures yeah, coming she, out. She bro. made me look halfway decent. I was like, hey, maybe, was that, maybe was, your boy got it. Hey, you know? that, <laughs> maybe your boy yeah, got it. That, you know, pic, that picture in front of the liquor store was that right in front of Tonic? Yeah. Oh, man, right when I saw that, I thought that's what it was. I was like, man, he looks beautiful, but that sure does make me do some cocaine at 4 a.m. Yeah. while smoking a cigarette on the dance floor, right? baby. Tonic, baby. Legendary <laughs> shit. Shout out to the Tang Bang. Shout out to the Tang Bangs, bro. Hey, shout, shout out, out to, to the, the Tang Bangs, bro. Shout out to the Tang Bangs. Shout out to my boy Christian. He always looks it up. Um, so basically, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, have her take photos of you like that. Yeah. Hundreds of dollars. So you over a thousand right there. And then you talk about that's just the beats and the pictures. And then you talk about the time it takes to record. People usually pay fifty to one hundred dollars an hour, like for studio time, just to be in there recording. Mm-hmm. And then you pay for mixing and mastering, which is another fifty dollars an hour. So like you're talking about, it should take you know mm-hmm. three four thousand dollars to make this project. I was able to, with the network I built with the team that I built, I could do it for free. So did you see that that was it during this time? Or was it after this time, mm-hmm. as CTC has obviously grown from the four of you, that you saw that, you know, with having friends in great places, mm-hmm. people can actually invest their talents instead of their money? I think that when you bring everyone to, so when it was just like the four of us kind of growing, just doing the music thing, and then Trod's like, bro, we can do this. And then, you know, we're looking for what we're going to name ourselves. And first it was collective, the collective is still a thing. And also, how long ago is this? This is a while ago. Correct? 2019-ish. I'm trying to remember. What is it, 2021? Yeah, so it was like me and Traj really connected right around uh, when I first bought my house. So, A couple uh, years ago. A couple years ago. So it's been about two years in the making. Mm-hmm. Um, CTC is about a year in the making and then less than a few months old. But um, I was going to say, but the last like five months. Five months. This has been... Trucking. Like, yeah, I would have never, I would have never in a million years when I first, when when you first approached me about, because I was like, I was like, hey man, you should come, uh, you should come on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You should stop by. I got a studio. It'll be awesome. And, and you were like, the first you question were like, I ask you. You. <sighs> I remember. What's the first question I asked you? I don't want to get it wrong because okay, so I don't remember the exact timeline, but I remember you were like, well, what do you want to talk about? Oh no! You asked me why do you want me on the show, and I was yeah. like, "Well, you." I was like, "Man, I just remember us hitting it off, and I'm kind of looking at your page. It seems like you know a lot of people. You seem like someone I could sit down and have a great conversation with." Yeah. So I'm inviting you over to the podcast. The next message is, "Yeah, bro, just stop by the crib on this day." And I was like, "Wait, what?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna talk to you about some shit." I was like, "That's what the 
that's what the podcast is for. But I was just like, all right. And I slid over to your house. Yeah, on, a, on his way to work, he slid over to the house. And um, I hit him up. I was like, yo, uh, I got some stuff I'm working on. I think that. This nigga had a notebook yeah. on the table, bro. <laughs> Computer out. And sit like this. And we just like Organized. sat down. And he started like talking to me and talking to me. And he showed me some samples and stuff. Well, once you realize that I was like, uh, well, no. Actually, when I first sat down, you were like, why? I feel like I was at a fucking interview. He's like, why are you doing this podcast? You know, like, what have you done before? Like, yeah. what's your end goal? You know what I mean? Like, why, what kind of art, you know, why are you bringing guests on? And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, yeah, I'm trying to, mon-. and all of a sudden I found myself like building this business plan on how I'd like to monetize and my future goals of the podcast. And I'm like, I don't even know this nigga's last name. Right. <laughs> at this moment in time, you know? And it's like, well, the thing was, is like, you know, I saw you building something. It's like the moment you hit me up with, yo, I want to go on the podcast, the first thing I did was go look up the podcast. Mm-hmm. So now I'm checking out clips. Now I'm looking at what he's building from a branding standpoint. Like, who is this guy? What's he really doing this podcast? I'm like, all right, I'm trying to build something so this podcast would be a great jump off, at least for me to get in an interview with something. Like, hey, I can show some of the stuff that I'm doing. And your people. Because yeah. you are always self-consciously looking out I'm always for trying your to people. people. I actually was going to bring more. If we were filming today, I would have brought some more. And people. the reason that I know that is because I've had three people, two two or three people from CTC before you. Before me. Because you're more, you're more headstrong on getting your people on the show. Yeah, I'm trying to have my people... Definitely be involved. Like I said, I always review. The only reason I associate myself with people is because I think they're better than me or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, if, if I think that I'm better than somebody at everything, then I'm trying to be a mentor to them. Yeah. And then one of my favorite sayings is that there's no world in which I teach you everything and you teach me nothing. Right. So even if I know everything and you're trying to learn from me, you're going to teach me something about myself. Well, the second that so, you the second that you find yourself in a place where you can't learn from the most ignorant person in the room, you've lost. Exactly. Exactly. So, And that's why I'm so, like, giving to my people. I'm like, yeah, you were the first one. You talked to me first about coming on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then I introduced you to my circle and you're like damn i need these people yeah on the podcast i'm like yeah you need these people on the podcast and me and you are going to prepare to do one um you know schedules weren't working out too crazy but we're working on that um but uh you know it was good to, to know that Traj was able to get over here mm-hmm. um it's good that you know you got stu j coming um i'm confident gonna have twan soon gage soon oh yeah twan, twan being one of my models for yeah, the first merch drop the yeah merch drop. been used it's, it's it's been a, it's been a blessing yeah. and it's like to put everyone in that position now is like look like i love doing that shit mm-hmm. you know i love the fact that i could build something like we're building right now and then i could step away and then they're gonna be with each other so i don't want to get off the timeline because it is important to me so yeah. you're having your four and then you know i, I asked you when did, did, when did you start to kind of weaponize weaponize seems like a really derogatory term but, but actually, i really i it's it's, it's accurate is, right it's accurate when you yeah. started to weaponize this network and start to bring other people on mm-hmm. when did that when did that kind of catalyst hit so really that kind of came i want to say um like right when the pandemic hit um because you know late 2019 is when we started writing thoughts of summer and we were trying to get that done right and you know that came out in like june 2020 but we were getting it done so you know pandemic hit so you know march and everything we're all like kicking it you know small numbers and i'm sitting here looking around like guys we built a team here we built a legitimate team right now like you know we have a engineer producer in trash we have a singer rapper in an a major we got an engineer and, and producer in freddie you got me as an artist and you know executive producer um, and that's just us four, basically. 
And then it was like, oh, we just reached out to Stu J to do something. Oh, well, he's a great talent. He needs mm-hmm. an engine. And the fr- I always forget the photographer's name. Oh, yeah. And then Kelman. We, Kelman, The man. first thing we were going to Kelman. Sorry. Choice. I'm so sorry, hey, Kelman, yo, by the way. Visuals. He's going to be pissed when he hears yeah, that. Nah, nah. Kelman, this, that's my fault, bro. Visuals, a lot of pressure baby. on the podcast. Choice, choice visuals, baby. He's definitely yeah. a part of this thing forever. Um, he came in toward the like middle of uh, quarantine. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we went to go watch some football games. And me and Taraj are having a conversation. They're like, damn, like, we have artists. We have this. We have the talent. He's like, we need someone to take some fucking photos. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, and I swear to God, like, word to God, like, Kelman walks into the <laughs> into the bar, sits down at the table across from us and orders a beer and a shot right. on a Tuesday. I'm like, just found one. I was like, what do you mean? I was like, yo, Kelman. He's like, what's up? I was like, you take pictures, right? He's like, for a living. I was like, <laughs> 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 and I was like, all right, come over here. Come sit at this table. Sat at the table, got hammered with us, and I swear to God, we haven't been able to get rid of him since. So yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that. Super fucking so, talented. Super talented. Super so, talented. Super talented. So like in the things like that were just coming together. I knew him through you know crossing past you know, you know back and forth through school. You know my network right. So when you build something like that, we're looking around like we literally have everything. Yeah. Like what what is stopping us? So for me, I'm a business what, minded person. What, yeah. What was stopping you? What's stopping us is that when you have a whole no, bunch no, of- not not stopping you now because nothing's you're not getting stopped right now. Oh, you know, you're on the path of progress. But when you when you did think that right mm-hmm. mid mid pandemic, what was stopping? What us? was stopping you? When you have all these creatives in a room, no one's thinking about the business. Uh, too many chiefs, if you would. Not too many chiefs. Okay. Too many artists. Ah, uh, okay. Talk too to many me. artists. Talk to me. Like too man, many artists, not enough businessmen. Yeah, it's like. Um, uh, I heard this interview once someone brought up he said this guy said the, the story he told was like yo my, my brother had this great idea I think it was Joe Budden on his podcast he was like my brother had a great idea how to package pet food like the greatest way ever and he had the great idea he created the way to do it he tried to start the business business failed and you know because paying the guy who could help him get it off the ground wasn't worth it to him and his brother asked Joe one day he's like well who's more important the guy who, who created the product or the guy who can get it off the ground Fuck, what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Exactly. So at, at some point, both those parts have two equal setups. It's, yes, you can be the most creative rap artist, singing group, whatever you you want. Someone might find the talent, but someone has to get it off the ground. Someone right. needs to be able to install a business. Someone needs to be able to incorporate it. So I came up with a pros- possibility. Like, once you start talking about business, we got to start bringing in money. I said, man... I drew up this picture of the CTC sign, like with like just like a regular pen. Like, I know, fucking love this story. Like, like the backwards C and the T, and we and Taj saw that. He's like, "What is that?" I was like, "Yo, it's like I've been working on some CTC logos, you know, because I was working on the name Chaos Theory Creatives. Um, Chaos Theory coming from what Chaos Theory is, but really, me and Tuan have a mixtape or EP out there we did together." that he still has on his computer somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it was called Chaos Theory. And we're going to get into that to, in a second. But like that's when I, I, I fell in love with the concept of Chaos Theory. And I viewed it as all as creatives. I didn't want to say Chaos Theory, you know, you know, conglomerate or anything like that. We're all creatives. Because I want to include any creative. Like if you sew clothes, if you make bracelets, if you fire sculpt, whatever the fuck it is that you do, mm-hmm. like I, if you're a creative, then we want to embrace you. So that's when the Chaos Theory Creatives came together. I put that the backwards C to the T to the C. Try saw, I took a picture of it, shot it off to one of our digital uh, artists, um, Doc Gruesome. Shout out Doc Gruesome. Um, he chopped up a, a, a quick little, quick little thing. 
And I'm like, yo, this shit looks sick. Yeah. And then, you know, we edited a couple times, did some things. And then I told Traj, like, yo, here's my idea for, like, the sweatshirts. Like, I want to do something super dope. I want to take sweatshirts and do what, like, Jordan does with shoes. Mm-hmm. He's like, what do you mean? It's like, we have the CTC logo on it. And it's like a basis of this. The basis of the sweatshirt is just the big CTC logo and a sweatshirt. We can change the color of the physical sweatshirt. We can change the design inside the lettering. We can change all that shit to any different combination of whatever. Right. And then just keep releasing different combinations. Yeah. And, like, my dream is that you'll come into a room and some girl has the pink floral one on. That's a, a limited edition. Right. And we only sell 50 of them. But then someone else has the white galaxy one on. And then someone else has the black and white. And someone else has this red and green that we made for mm-hmm. Christmas one year. And, like, yo, you just see a whole bunch of different people repping a brand. Repping a brand. That are like, also repping their longevity. Yeah. So right? and, and they're also Like, when people like, are going to see me, they're going to see, like, yeah. like in Stooge, you know, like the mm-hmm. pink floral. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what? Like, where do you get that? Like. Can't this isn't a, this isn't a can't get anything, and you also like uh, I wanted I wanted to make sure to to give you the my due diligence and and uh, and shout you out because that was um, was a saver for me, but that's what inspired me to do my podcast poppy hoodie drop like yeah. that. I, I did the one week pre order yep. and it fucking and it was amazing. Yeah, like yeah. I had people in Colorado, Pennsylvania, Florida, mm-hmm. and Jordy and I went to California and we fucking dropped off like almost forty fucking hoodies there in a day. Go, we we did it guy. we did it in person, you know, and it was and it was fantastic. And it got people looking at the brand. And then also I was like, you know, like I, I'm working on my summer line. That's neither here nor there. This podcast isn't about me, but it's like, you know, you're your reach of influence mm-hmm. within your team is, I think, more uh, powerful than than you believe. I want, even sh- though I am part of your yeah. team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I would just want to show people what can be done. Right. Like, you know, as far as I'm concerned, your sweatshirt, your hoodie job was more successful than mine. Right. But at the end of the day, I show people it could be done. Like sometimes people don't understand how dope or how close you are until it's tangible. Right. Like, or they just need the. They just need the very like one variable to build off of, mm-hmm. and then you never know. Like it could be like let's let's say for the for the fact of this conversation, okay, my hoodie drop was was better than yours, right? Mm-hmm. Because I saw how you were gonna drop it, and then I added a spin on it of yeah. my own, well, yeah. and then that inspires others to do the same thing. I'm looking at and it if, now like that might be a way for us to do the next the next run. And if they're the CTCs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Then just like what you said, the foundation of, of what you're looking for, like I want everyone to to go and do their thing and be their creators and stuff like that. And then you should have like that little drop of BVS influence in there. Exactly. It's lit. And for me, that's the plan. Like the plan is to keep growing and moving like that. Like like I said, when we created that the idea for that sweatshirt on my balcony in the middle of I don't know, like June or something like that, um, you know, during COVID, like we created that. And I sat there and looked at it. I was like, bro, we can putting a pair line behind this to become a, a monetary bloodline for what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, we're already helping each other out for free, trying to build fan bases. And if we get a, a pair line that we all rep and it could become, you know, a money bloodline for us. So now we can also take the money from the company and put it back into each other. Right. So like, oh, you want to shoot a music video? Here's a couple hundred dollars. Right. You want to, you need to go here to do that. Here's some money. And, you know, and, and really start branding stuff. What CTC is becoming now is a brand. That's my goal. Yeah. I switched. I didn't switch it. I always wanted it to be a platform for creatives, you know, video game streamers, anyone who creates content. I wanted it to be a platform. Well, it is now because you have Twitch streamers, have you have streamers, podcasters, you podcasters, have yeah. photographers, you have yeah. artists. Exactly. And that's so. What the fuck has happened in these last six months? Mm. 
Because I came in like what, like five months ago? Yeah. And it was like, just what's like, going on? You know what I mean? Because when I heard the story that this has been going on for multiple years, I was like, what the fuck has been going on from the year and a half previous mm -hmm. to the half of year that we're sitting in now? Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people never see, a lot of people never see the prep. Right. Like, for a year and a half, you're building relationships and connections with people working on music, doing other things. So the music is also another avenue. And when you're doing all those things, you're building up and you're planning. Like, you know, to you're watching things in your mind to come to actual physical fruition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the last six months is when things started happening. Save the money up, you know, bought the LLC, put the company together. Um, and ready to roll at that point. You know, you're talking about, hey, let's design some sweatshirts so we can have multiple plan drops. Let's figure out who can get this done for you. You know, word to connections, one I wouldn't even know that I have. Like, my dad calls me up. He's like, yo, you know your cousins run an apparel, you know, company out of North Carolina. Hit them up. Maybe they can help you out. Absolutely hit them up. That became one of the connects for us to get our stuff done. And we're doing that. It's like, yo, things are starting to move at this point. And he's like, you got to keep it moving. Like, once things start rolling, you got to keep it moving. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to find a way. Run the to snowball effect, absolutely. Keep the snowball. So, whether it's, hey, Brandon did a nine track EP to come out with it, to have for the first time CTC logo on the track listing, like, you know, CTC presents, get the. Get the, the page made, get everyone involved, like actually have, you know, a fight party at my house, get everyone there and get sweatshirts on, get some photos, um, you know, really keeping it moving and then viewing everything else as a plan to grow more. Mm -hmm. And that's where you can start supporting. It becomes even easier to support people. Yeah. You know, I want Twan's music to, to blow up. I want A Major's music to blow up. Just as bad as I want mine to blow up because that's just going to rep the team just as much as I'm going to rep the team. I right. want Studio to blow up because that's going to rep the team just as much. I want your podcast to blow up because that's going to rep the team just as much. So you're never running around worried about my shit too much. You know, I'm worried about how do we make it keep going, right. keep going, and, like, just never stop. You know, and, like, you know, if you shoot for the for the stars and land on the moon, then you're good. Yeah. So at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, Pause. Right? <laughs> shit, that was lit. Yeah, I mean, like, so, I mean, for me, I'm good. Like, I'm trying to build a brand. Yeah. Like, you know, if I could turn CTC into something where I wake up every day try to find out a cool way to brand something or or host a party or do something that's going to make us money, and that's how I, I pay my bills, mm -hmm. that sounds like a life to me, to yeah. travel to cool places and do cool stuff. Like, I don't need to make a million dollars, but the fact that I am creating something that, you know, people want to be involved in, like that's cool. My sister said it best. She said, uh, "She said I love CGC because it's um, it's inclusive, but it's exclusive. Right. So you gotta, you know, you gotta be a creator. Like the idea about the the limited drops on the sweatshirts. Like you can't just get these. Yeah. It's inclusive, but it's exclusive. It's, it's sexy because it's exclusive. Yeah. It's, right. It's, very, it's very, very. If if you are passionate about whatever, like there is no boundary to what kind of creator." Mm -mm. You've made that very clear, mm -hmm. right? But uh, uh, but you do you don't have think to be I'm passionate porn, about your creative. You don't think I'm going to have a porn studio in 10 years? Y'all crazy. Because those are creators, too. I'm going to pop another beer to that. Yeah, because yeah, those are creators, too. I know some porn stars out there. Shout out to Levi. And fucking, we're going to fucking, I'm going to just do whatever it takes to be involved in whatever it takes. I know people who are too talented and everything that they do. We're going to go into real estate. We're going to go into everything. I'm going to find a way to do that as a team. Right. 
and then give my my friends and teams avenues to do that shit for themselves. Have you ever heard of Change of Mindset? It's a no, TED Talk up? or a book, Change Mindset. Nah, what's up with it? So uh, it's it's funny because I was looking into it. I just did I just did this thing called Rila, and the main focus is Change Mindset. And then I've looked into this thing for for months before, but Change Mindset pretty much is is a, a, a it's a deformation of the perspective of failure, right? So okay. failure seems very black and white, right? Failure is a linear line, right? As you're moving forward, if you're progressing, if you do fail, you become stagnant. You can stay on the same line, but the progress can stops, right? Yeah. Until you get to success and then you continue again, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the change mindset is, it, it's like I said, it's a deformation of the perspective of failure. So because failure has been on a linear line for so long, the fear of failure is much different. And like you said, the world is changing so very fast that there's mm-hmm. this massive fear of failure. We Absolutely. went to Hukava, mm-hmm. and it was me, you, Gage. Uh, who's the doctor? My boy, Sai Narala. Sai. Sai. Um, Antoine. Mm-hmm. And I think... Same age. And I think... Uh, was Kelman? Kelman? Yeah, I think Kelman probably. was there. Choice visuals, let's go. So... We were all sitting around the table uh, unintentionally speaking about things that we could possibly fail on fearlessly, right? Mm -hmm. Like we were talking about things that we haven't done before, but all these new things that we're going to give a shot, right? And and possibly fail. Mm -hmm. Now, that's one thing for someone to talk about that, but for a group of people to sit around and support your risk of failure Mm -hmm. is a huge, it's like a very empowering and uplifting thing and that's when i was sitting when i was sitting in hukava i was like man i think this could this could be a thing I'm, right I because I know if, the day you're talking about too exactly if, you know what i'm saying like it was the day we spilled the water all over the fucking ground remember mm-hmm. hukava mm-hmm. but uh but that that was that was a massive that was a massive moment because i was like not only about you know put ctc aside for a second mm-hmm. just as a human being right that is something that you want to surround yourself around because if you can put your talents or art out to the greater population with the possibility of failure and you do fail but you still have a foundation of people around you that are going to support your failure because it's eliminated mm-hmm. right if you fail as opportunity it's you know we've eliminated one process let's go to the next the it's fear. all good because ctc is still moving we gave that a shot let's continue to push mm-hmm. so now failure is no longer linear right yeah. failure is forked in many many different ways mm-hmm. and if you fail there are still other roads to jump to continue to progress Exactly. And when I saw that, I was like, it, it was funny because I was looking into that and I was like educating myself on change mindset, mm-hmm. um, especially during COVID, you know, yada, yada, yada. And we're and I was listening. I was like, these niggas have no idea that they're not na- just naturally doing this. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was mm-hmm. talking to Antoine about how, you know, I was trying to film this and this didn't really work out. And I kind of suck at this and I'm really fucking bad at editing. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to this person. He was like, he was more intrigued about the ways that I have failed than the you ways know, that I have succeeded. succeeded. Mm-hmm. Because you tried. Right. I mean, it's it's one of the craziest things, um, like, especially when it comes to this music stuff. Because you will find out that, you know, people like Stu J, Twan, you know, even me, if you go back far enough, I've been doing music for, you know, eight, nine, ten years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you're you're just now good enough for people to kind of talk about your shit. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. a, cu- a couple of people, a couple of your friends, like man, you're really good. Like I can go show you some shit where I'm terrible. Yeah. You know what I mean? So <laughs> amen, brother. You know, I don't you, know if you've seen me sprint in the last <laughs> two years, <laughs> right. but holy hey, man, I shit, used to be a hell of a basketball player. Yeah, I tell yeah, you, yeah, yeah. But uh, people are like, you got a full ride, yeah, full ride for what? <laughs> yeah, eating. Right? Like get the fuck. It's freaking insane. But you. People don't understand that in the process of becoming great, you're failing the whole time. Mm-hmm. 
You know, the process of becoming great, you're failing the whole time. So if you can't concentrate on if and how you're going to fail, I mean, unless it's going to fucking put you on the street, worrying about how you're going to fail to do something that's creative to me is it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. It's like, dude, like I like to do shit sometimes just to say that I fucking did it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Put it on your resume. Exactly. Like, you're all like, no one Trying can, to smash a midget. Right? Just to say I did just it. Just to say I did it. You know? <laughs> like, like, for real. Like, just to say you did it. Just to say it. I did it. Like, yeah, hey, I gave it a, a shot. Of, a lot of, a couple, couple of guys always ran some trains and realized that this is not really what I'm This is what I'm into, yeah. But I did it before. And it's off the list. Yeah, it's off the list. So I'm not doing it again. Those are some um, aggressive-ass examples, but yeah, hey, here we are. Quarter-life crisis, baby. shit, baby. <laughs> hey, we, we all adults sips, here. Sips beer. Right. We all we all young adults here who done done too much. Yep, um, right. But no, in the process of success, you're always failing. So, no, when the thing is, is like, I love Hukaba. Shout out Batuan for mm-hmm. what he did with that company. He's a perfect example of what we're talking about. Who Kava started playlist playlists are absolutely best right. hip, best hip hop in my <laughs> personal opinion. Where you can go to a full bar and chill and yeah, listen to the best. That's, so yeah, yeah. And he it went from a fucking hookah bar in the crackhead alley mm-hmm. to uh, a local high school spot that was in a presentable spot to now one of the biggest venues in the city yeah. that he took over and turned it into one of the most. You have to stop by Hukava when you come out the Reno and get right. a, and get a hookah. And um, man, every time I'm in that place. You know, you look at the the ambiance, the energy, and I always tell my team all the time, like, every time I'm here, which is why I like to go all the time, every time I'm here, I can imagine myself, you know, doing the shit that I want to do. Like, I, I want to be, you know, in Tulum with the big-ass fucking villa with the team, you know, girls running around, you know, naked, buying drinks. Like, we were talking about that at Hukava. Yeah, exactly. And we're just we were talking about getting it. an Airbnb and having the team and doing and in bring it. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. sorry yeah. to cut you off. It's like, but like when you, <laughs> no, that's how you going you down this, that dream. Hey, watch out. Watch hey, out, we yeah. actually have a plan to do something like that. Pump too. the brakes. I'm going to I'm gonna talk to you about that off, off mic. Yeah. But we have a, a plan for something that's incredible. I'm going to invite you and you're going to host it. Okay. Uh, Down. I know how to use talent. Uh, <laughs> But no, I always view the grandiose view, the delusions of grandeur, or illusions of grandeur. I'm not gonna call it delusions because I think it's very possible. Um, where, you know, that's what I view, and that's where I view us at. And it's like the only way you're gonna get there is gonna keep trying, like something to hit, something to click. And right now, you have a team that's gonna support you and at least trying your shit mm-hmm. and trying to find a way to get it out there. And I think that if you're afraid to fail to reach that height then you're never going to reach that height in the first place. Right. So, like I said, I mean, shoot for the stars, might land on the moon, might not be Tulum. We might mm-hmm. be able just to get, you know, to fucking Miami, but that's fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, you want to work toward that, and if I have a grandiose dream of that. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to chase my grandiose dreams, I have to understand I'm not going to just hit a home run the first right. time I go to the plate. So building a team that understands that, that, that values that hey we're gonna to try to do it together and it might not work. Right, it might not work. Now you, it's very obvious that you begin with the end in mind, right? Everyone now, does. To no, I I, I disagree one hundred percent. I don't think that everyone begins with the end in mind because to begin with the end in mind, you have to be confident that you're gonna have a consistency of motivation and consistency of positivity, which is what you have shown. Quite consistently. So we're sitting, you're sitting in front of me in the last year and six months of probably the most daunting time mm-hmm. of the Western empire that we know of it, right? Yeah, probably the insane. most, the most absolutely like just a 
brutal beating on people's mental health, on <laughs> people's positivity, determination, Shit. business progress. So you continue to kind of sit here with that. So what 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 exactly, if you can, what exactly is is continuing to push us out of you? Like, why is this motivation staying so consistent throughout these times? Well, I mean, like I go back as far as you need. I can third grade. I can tell you right, right. I can tell you right now um, that you know my parents have provided a phenomenal life for me. So the only thing I've ever wanted to do was just be just as good, if not, you know, more successful than my father, um, to help provide just as much, if not more, for my offspring and my family. Um, So you know that's always going to continue to drive me, and what drives me is to continue to do that. I want to show him that I can reach that level while he's alive. Um, So I'm on a mission to do that. But at the end of the day, you know, I've been in corporate America. I've done so many different things. I've analyzed my personality, you know, and I don't like necessarily working for people. And, you know, can I do it? Sure. Am I educated? Yes. Um, And so I can get a job and I can, you know, work my nine to five. But to build an empire, to build something that, you know, you can give when it's done, to me means a lot. And it's something my dad always told us that he kind of regrets that, yo, he got high up in corporate America, high exec, tons of money. Great. But he didn't actually own a company to hand down to his kids. You know, if we do everything in CTC, right. You know, my family has something that they own Mm -hmm. that can be handed down to them. And then everyone out of CTC hopefully will learn from me and through CTC and, and build their own empires outside of CTC and alongside CTC. And they can do the same thing. So for me, what keeps me kind of motivated and pushed to keep going really is the idea that I want to provide, you know, a life for me and my family and my friends that not only is enjoyable, but it's something that can be handed down. It doesn't need to be the most lucrative thing in the absolute planet. Like we don't need to make $250 million. But if we're making enough to sustain, enjoy our life, do well, but do something we enjoy doing, bro. Like we can all go get a nine to five for you know seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year and and live well. We hate the job, but live well, you know. But not many people can create the world that they want, you know, and still get that you know hundred thousand dollars a year and treat your family right, and then have a job that says, all right, well, I gotta fly out here and brand this party. I gotta go to this music studio and help EP this tape. I gotta go you know, here and be on this podcast, you know, I have to go interview this person. I have to go, you know, create this content, stuff that you enjoy doing, but you're getting well compensated and, you know, living a life that you want. That's what I want people to to strive for out here. Like you talked about it, mental health, you know, you know there's a bunch of people out here making 120, $200,000 a year and they hate their life. And you can find somebody who makes 40 grand a year doing something they love and they're happy as hell. They may not have, you know, a motherfucking Mercedes, mm-hmm. but they're happy. You know, they can afford their Honda Civic and they're cool with that shit, you know, and that's their baby and they take care of it. You can create your own luxury. Why don't we find a way to do that with a business, do that with a team, do that with people you love and care about, help everything grow and then hand it down to the people you love and care about. That's just, that's that's where the, the drive comes from. You know, the drive comes from creating a life where, like I said earlier, we just wake up. My phone's ringing. Check the laptop. What cool way, what awesome way can we make some money today? Like, what cool thing can we do today? Like you wake up one day like, yo, who, you got five people to interview. Will Smith, 
me and right. Wesley Snipes. Like, yo, I can do whatever the hell you want. Like, yo, bro, and let's shoot the podcast on top of this Miami pool or whatever. Right. Like, fuck it. Like, you know, and, and let's broadcast it and fucking, and it's going to do numbers and people are going to want to brand your podcast, mm-hmm. do like that shit. And now you're getting paid to do something that you you would do for free, what you're doing right now. Right. So that's the dream. That's that's the dream for my dream for you. It's my dream for myself. That's my dream for Stu J, my dream for A Major, my dream for Choice Visuals, my dream for Von Doom, my dream for Fred Murda. Um, anyone who gets involved with us, that's my dream for anyone who claims Lupe. Like anyone who wants to get involved and do the thing do this and find a way to turn what they love into their life and to be able to hand it down and to be able to come dap up their brothers and say, I love you, man, and look at what we did. That's that's the fucking coolest part. That's and that's the only thing that keeps me driving. That's what keeps me going. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, there it is, right? Um, I mean, all seriousness, bro. Like, I, I don't even. To to be honest with you, right now, I don't, I don't want to speak. I wish literally the mics would have just turned off right after that with a real mic drop. But you know, um. We've known each other for years. We've really only, only known each other really for about five months now. But you truly are a, a, an inspiration. You know, you've dug me out of times where, like, you know, I've been having rough times and not wanting to keep going. And, and you know, I've been even, you know, there's been times where I've missed release dates and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then that phone call, I mean, I, I think that I think I went the lowest when my fucking work phone mm-hmm. went off, you know, and I wasn't able to talk to you on, on when it was going right. on a daily basis. Yeah, I was trying to reach you. I was like, where's the fuck Ricky? Yeah. Ricky, goddamn. What, but, uh, what I do, bro? Like, you ain't no. answering the calls, the text. <laughs> The tentacles that, that, that reach out in your network are, are far more than just networking, bro. Like you, yeah. you inspire a lot of people, myself included. Um, the, the support that you, you show to people is something that, you know, should be embraced by hopefully, hopefully every single person that listens to this and the people that continue to listen to it in the future and listen to you just in person on a daily basis, you know. So, yeah, you know, people building their dreams and things like that, you know, instead of building your own dream, you're, you're looking to – you know, make a platform where others can build their dream and in turn your dream will be built. Right. That's the most selfless, the most selfless serious. act of selfishness that is beautifully <laughs> personified. And and I think it's I think it's uh, I think it's brilliant what you're doing, um, you know. But before we close it up, I want you to make sure that, uh, you know, you let everyone know where you can find your stuff and, oh, and yeah. CTC stuff and all that stuff. But truly uh fantastic sitting down with you bro oh bro you know i I love what you're doing and i know there's going to be more episodes to come but it means a lot this is our first episode that we've actually sat down and done and uh, i'm excited to listen to this episode and in like five or six years or whatever is down the road listen to this bullshit that we're talking about you know what i mean and like nigga we're talking about airbnbs (laughs) how lame is that shit bro we're renting out lobbies you know but watch when i tell you what we're gonna do i I ain't gonna say it on the podcast Because uh, I want it to be something special, yeah. and it's going to be a special podcast for it. Um, so but, before we leave, please recognize yeah. anyone and, and place place whatever you'd like to place here before yeah. we get. Well, hey, first and foremost, CTC Chaos Theory Creatives, love for everybody. Um, the IG for that one is simply at Chaos Theory Creatives. Um, no different spellings, no nothing, no numbers, no underscores or anything. If you want to find me on any social media platform, I am B, the letter B, the last hope. No letters, no underscores, or nothing. Everywhere social media is sold. Instagram, shit, name near Facebook, fucking Twitter. Um, you can find me there. And um, the plug, man, nothing, man. Echo Chamber out now. Mm-hmm. All streaming services. 
uh, man, I'm super proud of that project. Like I said, it's very, it's a part of me. Um, if you take the time to listen to it, I greatly appreciate you. Greatly appreciate all feedback. Like I said, don't tell me how to do it. Just tell me what you like and don't like. Um, and, um, man, thank you guys. Uh, I believe that the family that you're building with your fans and your fan base is going to become part of CCC. So I have to love and believe in these people as much as they believe in you and love us. So, man, thank you for everything. And uh, I'm just happy that we got to do this. And, of course, I will be back. There are plans for me mm-hmm. and Podcast Poppy to work together on more joint projects outside of Quarter Life Crisis. Big facts. So when those things come, just be prepared. Stay tuned. We'll check yeah. out the album. Check out our team. Yes, sir. Like, subscribe. Thank Definitely you. subscribe. Thank you, everybody. Today's episode is brought to you by Grimm's Exclusives, a Northern California-based cannabis co-op that specializes in indoor, small-batched, AAA-grade boutique flowers growing your favorite exotics as well as pheno hunting for the future of cannabis big shout out to grims big shout out to grims exclusives tune in next week for a brand new episode of quarter life crisis